Previously on Gresh and Fourier. Well, you know, we're going to try to raise some money for all this, trying to get the diabetes and the shots for a <laughs> cure announcement. There ain't going to be no tin cup or drink in there, but I'll tell you what, if we can raise $25,000 afterwards, we might have to go get us a tin cup and hit us a couple shots. This is Gresh and Fourier. Good football still is surrounded by... Don't turn it over, be explosive, score touchdowns in the red zone, be good on third downs, don't have lost yards plays, and athletic quarterbacks that make off-schedule plays. I don't know how that works. Andy Gresh. I've gone back and forth. I think the, the good thing is I actually have a vacation coming up uh, with the family, and then uh, I'm going to go hang out with Jay for a week. And I think just being able to get away from football, uh, I think especially as you kind of get older, I think it helps you put things in perspective, doing other things. So uh, it'll be early March, like second week in March, and you know we'll start to, I think for me and my wife, decide and you know plan uh, what the next year looks like. So it, it's, it'll be a, the right time uh, to really start digging in and make a decision. Christian Fourier. I need to see Coach Joe Mazzula in the moments where it matters the most. Is he going to be able to make adjustments through a seven-game series? Like I said before, they was going to win a lot of games in a regular season. But I just seen some games this season where Coach Mazzula had to come to the stand and say, it was my bad. Christian was right. Gresh and Fourier right now. Well, I know that tequila and some tin cup last night got me right. I didn't stay out till 2 o'clock, but we wasn't too far from her. On WEEI. That's right. We didn't stay up till 2 a.m., but God dang, we, we, <laughs> we tried to come about as close as we could be. That's probably your best. That is probably the the best that, that's, find. That's, that's yeah. That that is that's that's your guy. Like I feel like, like what's that guy's name? Is a bass fisherman, right? Like he Matt Robertson. Matt Robertson, right? Like you and him. Like that's that's your new show. That really needs to be. You know, that really needs to be the show you should do. That's that's. Or actually, can we add him? Because I would actually like to stay also. But like you and him, like talking back and forth. You're to already each other. you're already selling me <laughs> off to other people already. No, 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 I feel like right, I'd listen to that. Ingression is like West Virginia, you know, backwoods, you know, you know, accent. Yeah, oh, I listen, think that would work. Let me tell you, if we ever had Matt Robertson on the show and we said, hey, what's your key to building a good potato gun? We'd probably yeah. get as thorough a breakdown as we would get from like someone breaking down a pitcher. Yeah, that's no, I feel like I those are those like just like forget about sports, just important life hacks. Like, uh, hey, how would you do this? Like, what, what what would a redneck do if in this situation? Like, how would you handle that? Let's say you uh, you know whatever. Like all these different situations, like the redneck point of view, I think is uh, is underutilized. Oh, listen, you know, I, the one thing about rednecks is they're inventive. That's the yes. you know what. Resilient, inventive, yes. They are. They figure things out. Like, listen, I didn't, you know, well, how did I learn about the potato gun? (laughs) Uh, I learned it from my dad and my granddad. How did I learn? Listen, my old man wouldn't let me drive a car until I knew how to change a tire, change the oil, and be functional with brakes. I'm not kidding. Old, old, old man standing out there, popped his teeth out, yelling at me. He whistled when he popped his teeth out. So he'd be like, hey, boy, come over here. We're going to fix this. Yeah, it sounds like, the, it sounds like a beaver from, like, uh, no doubt. you know, Winnie the Pooh. So the, the key is, though, that those, those, I guess, those skills 
are gone now. Like I, nobody, I can tell you right now, if I gave my son a thousand dollars, he wouldn't know how to change a tire. Oh my god! He would not god. know how to change a tire. He would not know how to change his oil. He would not know. Like honest to God, like I think he actually got you know got a flat tire and called me one day. He was like, "Hey, where should I put the jack?" Oh no! <laughs> Did you know what to do? Oh yeah, I mean I could change change a tire all day long. Now Ooh. I think the problem is now. I mean, listen. Is it really that difficult? The problem oh. now is that all the all the all the lug nuts have like a lock, right? Like, so there's out of the four or five, whatever. I don't yeah, know there's a lock are. lug on there where you got to have the special. But well, that never used to be the case. Well, it's normally in your uh, glove compartment, or as my wife calls it, the glove department. I don't yeah, know why. Where you keep your gloves and you can buy different sets of gloves. Yeah, oh, I no, haven't worn a those... glove in 13 years since I met no. Ohio. It used to be. It used to be there. Were, I used to say like when my kids were younger, I was you like, no right, love on that. No, nope. Billy no, no, a little bit. The uh, you're a guy. You have proof that you're a no glover. But another story for another time. <laughs> he does need the glove. He does need the glove. Exactly. No, no, there's a surgery for that. Wrap that rascal. Yeah, no, but you know what? But even that. that can be dicey. Next thing you know, you're 51. No. Uh oh. Have you ever met somebody who had that procedure done? To, you know to what? Cut the plumbing off. I actually, I actually do. I will not say it on the air. If anything, I will text you because it's someone that you and I both know pretty well. Antonio Cromarty. He had it and pumped out like three kids afterwards stop it i'm I'm serious he obviously didn't go to the right doctor well i'm just saying is that uh is it is it possible yes no it is possible i know but i mean i've had i've know guys who've actually had the that surgery reversed text your uh, check your oh uh, stop it you kidding me no um, way i will can you imagine how he must have lost his mind oh yeah 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 oh my god uh, it was pretty interesting (laughs) Well, this is what happens when there's nothing on the Boston sports oh docket God. last night. We had no Celtics. We have no Bruins. Uh, and NFL free agency, quite honestly, Foyer, can't get here fast enough. However, there is a story that could be percolating. Now, listen, I'll be the first one to admit that none of us know whether Ime Udoka's separation agreement with the Boston Celtics includes his ability to go get a job right away. So I do think there is a caveat that we have to put on this because we now know that Joe Mazzulla is the permanent head coach of the Celtics. Ime Udoka has been told, sayonara, good sir. Now, does that mean that he can still go out and get a job? The Celtics were willing to let him flirt during the regular season with the uh, Brooklyn Nets. Because the Atlanta Hawks have fired their head coach, Nate McMillan. And boy, that didn't take long for Nate McMillan to be the savior and then get shoved out the door down in Atlanta. So, Foyer, do we at least have to have the discussion of what if Eme got the gig in Atlanta? Yeah, I feel like it, I was thinking about him and what's it going to take for him to kind of I guess be reintroduced into the coaching ranks as an. Ass- I don't think he comes in as a head coach. I think he reemerges. Friendly spot like San Antonio. I can easily see him going back there, um, having a soft landing, a sympathetic ear. You know, someone who kind of has some, you know, equity built into his career, helped him along the way to be a head coach, and now he kind of has to reset. He's not going to reemerge as a head coach. I guess that's. That's kind of the way I think about it. Wow! I don't think he re. I think he re. He reemerges as an assistant coach, builds up. Doesn't he have to build up new trust? Isn't that part of the 
process? Well, yes and no, because I think the issue that he had with the Celtics was pretty cut and dried, meaning he did it. They had him dead to rights on it, per se. You know, they had the nuts on him, let's say. And they knew, like, we all knew when Joe Missoula got put in and they were like, well, we'll revisit it in a year, that it was maybe just sort of a way to delay it. Let's get the season started. People will start to forget about it if we play well, which is exactly what happened. And then Ime Odoka just kind of walks out that door. I do think, though, Christian, if there was to be a scenario in which you would give him re-entry into the NBA, this, in a lot of ways, would be a perfect scenario for that to happen. Number one, you got a petulant superstar in Trey Young, who yeah. loved Nate McMillan, now doesn't love Nate McMillan. They went and got DeJounte Murray, so they got some talent down there in Atlanta but it's also, hey, we got regular season games to play. We're we're in the, you know, I'm looking this morning, Atlanta is eighth in the Eastern Conference, so they're in the play-in. But I think if it's, hey, listen, Coach Udoka is going to be our guy. Here's the press conference. Everybody get their questions out. Then, oh, they're going to play a game on Thursday night. Or, oh, then they're going to play a game on Saturday. And I think it can kind of move by pretty quickly if it's in the right situation. And obviously they would have to name Udoka the coach and kind of get all that stuff out. But Christian, like when you're when you're getting ready to play regular season games, whether you bring in Quinn Snyder, Ime Udoka, it's all going to be trial by fire. They're all going to be running and gunning. I would think it would be the easiest way to get Udoka back in to be a head coach because you're getting right back into the typical rhythm of the regular season. Well, I'm just curious, like how bad do you think uh, I guess his uh, his actions were. I think you start with that. If you think if you think his uh, actions were you know too much to handle, and you don't like the negative and the criticism that comes along with it, because I the more I think about, it, I was like, I mean, like he he, had, he wasn't arrested. He didn't abuse anybody. He didn't like you know get in a fight. I mean, he he I committed mean, this- crimes against the workplace. How about we put it like that? Well, like for sure. players, there's always oh, don't commit crimes against the team, right? They don't bring us down. And in a way, that's what Udoka did with his personal conduct. But it's only a him situation. Well, he, he to your he point, was, what, it, it's. What? It's on him. It didn't bleed to the team, per se. To me, that is the the walking, talking example of conduct detrimental. You know the conduct detrimental clause that they have in every contract? Much better said. It's like a broad, you know, term that they use that really includes anything that they don't like. Mm-hmm. If you show up late, conduct detrimental. If you eat the wrong food, conduct detrimental. Mm-hmm. If you show up fat, whatever. So that's pretty much what it is. And I think of Bobby Petrino, Gresh. I think of Bobby Petrino oh. when he was in, what was he, in Arkansas? Was it Arkansas? Yep. And he was, uh, and he had the motorcycle accident with yeah, the, he rolls like, up with that brace on his neck. on the back of the yeah. motorcycle. Just lying his ass off about everything that happened. Almost killed this poor girl. Almost killed himself. He, his face is all scratched up. He's in a neck and he keeps lying, lying. They finally, they fire him. He got a head job again. He's got multiple head jobs. The guy just, if he, if you're good, you will continue to get opportunities regardless of how embarrassing the situation you're coming back from. Well, right? and I think stuff like this that we're about to hear, Christian, might help guys like Ime Udoka. Here is what Jason Tatum said about Ime over the weekend, and it definitely sparked some thought for me. 
I mean, it's, it's been a tough situation for everybody involved. And uh, it's somebody that, you know, I've talked to throughout the season, just periodically just uh, reaching out. Because without, you know, whatever happened, happened. And that's, you know, doesn't have anything to do with me. But, you know, I can't take away the relationship that me and him had and the impact that he had on me in that one season. You know, I love Coach K. I love Brad. I love Joe. Um, I love all those guys. But, you know, just a different kind of relationship I had with Eme and, you know, probably probably like the fa- my most favorite coach I've, I've had. And that's not to knock on anybody. I got a great relationship with Joe. Um, you know, I love everything he's doing. I, I'm extremely happy for him. Brad, you know, kind of helped, na- helped me navigate the NBA. You know, I was 19 and, you know, he kind of helped watch me grow and, and, and put me in the right spots. Uh, so I have a different perspective and, and respect for each coach I've had, uh, you know, just different times in my life. I wow. saw you react to him saying yeah. Ime was probably my favorite coach. Twofold on that. Number one, that's got to help in terms of a court of public opinion if another organization is going to hire Ime. But really, Christian, it's the reason why they had to do what they had to do. Wow. You couldn't have had the the best player on the team's favorite coach looming, waiting to come back on July 1st. Yeah, I, he's – first of all, what an endorsement. You're right. So if uh, – the which, okay, by the time Ime gets hired, like, where will Jason Tatum be in, you know, the rankings as far as best player? I mean, he'll be top five, and what an endorsement. So this guy is almost vouching for you. Listen, I know what happened. Whatever happened doesn't matter. I still talk to him. I still interact with mm-hmm. him. I still – I still pick his brain. I still ask for advice. The guy is relevant. So he just knew it was going to be at least a year. But, man, I'd be surprised if he goes right back into a head coaching job. Maybe he does. Maybe. I mean, because you can sit there and compare it to Cora. Cora took a year off and was a head coach right away. So which one do you think is worse? Like, what, what situation is worse? Alex Cora get, being banned for a year and then getting rehired by the same exact team a year later. That's interesting. Or Ime Udoka. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Actually, when I think when I No, I think it's I Udoka it out, like, is worse. Well, you think Udoka's worse? Well, because it was... I mean, they're both cheating in a way. Well, but Alex Cora's didn't affect the front office in a way that Ime's did. Ime, here's the thing. Alex Cora never would walk into Fenway Park and or at least we would I would assume, okay? Let me put a big caveat on that. But when Alex Cora would walk into the room full of employees with the Red Sox, the women wouldn't cringe. And unfortunately with Ime Udoka, for those who knew what was going on and part of the reason why they had to get him out of there is because if you let that guy walk into a complete organizational meeting, there are women who are like, uh, that guy's here. And or, I think or, that is or, the difference because it's workplace environment. Or maybe they're like this. Instead of like, uh, they're like, ooh, hey. Well, hey, and maybe that's another reason you why you got to get them out of there. I didn't turn <laughs> I didn't, I didn't realize different- I didn't realize the Celtics are running <laughs> dossiers when uh, when uh, Wiggy had days oh, off for of the ALCS. Yeah, here comes Ime. What we hired, he's so handsome. So this will be interesting to see if Ime Udoka is a real candidate. There, There's one name really that's the internet threw out there, and that was Ime. And the other one that reporters have put out there is Quinn Snyder. He of the Jazz. A uh, long, long, long time ago, long time ago, had a run at the University of Missouri as well. We're going to uh, get to some football coming up. 
Uh, Todd Munkin, the new offensive coordinator of the Ravens, ran down what is good offense. So you'll be able to check mark at home if the Patriots had any of those traits in 2022. Uh, we had something on uh, undrafted free agents yesterday. We're going to tie that into Matt Slater coming back at uh, 11:25. Big deal or no big deal? Foyer is going to walk us through that. A oh, lunchtime yeah. parlay where yesterday we sucked. So we're going to try to be better today. Andy Hart, who sucks. I mean, Andy Hart, <laughs> WEI.com, will be with us at uh, 1220. And Hart said he got a haircut. So we'll see if we know it, because I'm going to bet you 20 bucks he won't have showered for us to see his hair while he's on Zoom with us. We'll get to that in the noontime hour, and we will go mock, mock, mocking on Heaven's Door. Now, more Gresham Fourier on WEEI. <laughs> Make sure you download the Odyssey app. Take us wherever you go. Wherever you are, you've got the ability to listen to us. Gresham Fourier, 10 to 2 right here on Boston and New England Sports Original WEI. You can also, also excuse me, watch us on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Boston WEI. Follow WEI on Twitch. You'll be able to uh, see the Split Squad edition of Gresh and mm. Foyer today. A little different background for Foyer like today. You like this one? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh well, after uh, after making jokes about the snow and the window and everything outside on my twelve acres, I go to yeah. the other wing of the house to yeah. set up for today's show. Yeah, this would be uh, Mama's side of the office. Uh, this is where all the cool stuff happens. Oh. This is the cool, like you know, oh, lots really? of books and lots of like stuff, like lots of artsy stuff. Oh. Like if I had to do this, it would be a complete disaster. Oh, I thought you were going to get into desk dalliances or something like that. No, that all the no. fun stuff happens in her side of the. Uh, it does. Office. All the fun stuff does happen because you here. just go in there and what is see, your what is your side of the office look like? Do you want to see it? No, I think we might have seen some of it yesterday. <laughs> it's a disaster. First of all, I'm sorry. Like you have a full bunker at your house. You have a full bunker with eight crates for sound. I you took know, a tiny. Like, you have a. You I have took a total a, different setup. I took a tiny corner of our bedroom and turned it into what could be a complete audio visual area. Yeah. Okay. It's so sorry. Like, I don't space. have the cool setup like you, like Mister, like Mister Radio. It's like it's like Glenn Ordway, and then uh, you know, and then Andy Gresh. Like, do you two, really? Like, do you really think Ordway would have spent the time to put up his own squares? And no, Doug would have done it. Right. Exactly. Done it. Doug Lane would have done and it, and would have complained the whole time to everybody <laughs> yeah. else that he did it as well. Do you know how hard I'm working? Oh yeah, my god. I got to go to Florida. I got to go to Ordway's house. No, all that yeah. stuff. But, uh, well, will uh, Bill Belichick be welcoming people into his house in Foxborough once free agency hits Fourier? And uh, Matt Bowen, who is uh, a, a, I do believe, like a high school football coach at one of the, uh, uh, at, at an academy somewhere. Oh. It's, like, is it it's, the Florida school, whatever that I, IMG academy? I, I don't think it was IMG academy, but it was, um, yeah, like Trent Dilfer was coaching one of those in yeah, like Kentucky in or Tennessee. No, it was in, te- it was in uh, Nashville. I think Bowen does some of that, but he's also a part of the crew at uh, ESPN that okay. uh, breaks down everything for free agency. And he did a top 50 list. Now, this isn't necessarily the whole, well, we're just going to go through the list because the one thing that Bowen does is he ranks the top 50, 
but he puts in there best team fit. So it's not automatic, right, that it's go back to the team that you were. Even though his number one uh, free agent is Lamar Jackson, and he does say that the best fit is for the Baltimore Ravens. But there's one thing about this list for you that I want to get your thoughts on before we get to other particular players. In Bowen's top 50, he does not have Jonathan Jones. Yeah, I saw that. Is that uh, that a party foul? Is that bad? Is John Jones not one of the top 50 free agents in the NFL given the way he played last year? I mean, I was looking at some of the other guys they had in front of him, Jamal Dean, uh, James Bradbury. Um, I don't think it's a slight. I mean, if you're, I mean, looking through the list, I feel like there was only three guys, three quarterbacks on that list tops. If I if I if I read it correctly, and I think they were a little younger than John Jones. Yeah, yeah. So they're all in their twenties. Yeah, there's a Rock uh, Yasin. You ever heard of that guy? Uh, Rock Yasin. Yes, Rocky Yasin. Oh, no, it's Rock Yasin. Rock Yasin. Yeah, interesting name. You sounded very old in saying that name, Dude, I, I must say. Yeah, no, actually, there's more. Brian Murphy Jr. Rock. There's another one. Yesen. Brock Yesen. Rock Yesen. I sound very old. And what is your? What is that name again? There you go, is that European? Right? Foyer, how do I say that again, please? <laughs> uh, okay, so, so yeah, there was no, no Jonathan Jones on there. I guess I was a little surprised, but when you think about where he has added his point in in his NFL career, I think where it's the he's hoping for a multi-year deal that isn't just funny money. Yeah. You no, know, he'll still get it. I was just thinking about it. So, you know, the list goes over the top 50 free agents and their, you know, best team fit. And, you know, I was just thinking about, like, what would you say would be the Patriots? Like, in just in free agency – now, maybe it'll change based on who they get. Like, maybe their draft selection will change based on what they can get get during free agency. Sure. I feel like that may be an issue. Maybe not. What would you think their number one free agent priority should be? Because I think we're in the legal tampering period now, and the free agency officially starts, what is it, like March 15th or well, something like Well, it is March 15th, and I know that they put in there the legal tampering period, which there is a tampering period before the tampering period, because now nice. during the official tampering period, you're having contracts that yeah. are being done. So uh, it, here's what it is. Next week is the combine, yeah, and you know this as well as anybody. There, every agent in the country is yep. pretty much there worth their salt because they're either working for their clients, they're working to try to get clients, or they're wondering sort of how the shape of the NFL is going to take. Which, uh, But to me, it is you're looking for as much veteran depth as you can. Because okay, but- as, you, cause as you scroll through the top 15, right? Yeah. And I'm going down this list right now, and I'm looking for a wide receiver – and I'm looking for a wide receiver, and I'm looking for a wide receiver. I'm in number 20. Number 21 is Jacoby Myers on this list. If well, he is, if he is one the, of those. But if he is the top wide receiver in a free agent class, with all due respect to him, kind of lets you know the strength of the class. So for me, Fourier, it is – I don't know if you're going to try to find starters – 
but I think this is where the veteran depth can really be built. They clearly need more veteran depth on the O-line. They did sign Connor McDermott to a two-year deal for about, I think it's like $3.6 million, which sounds good, but in reality, it isn't much more above the minimum to be able yeah. to keep a guy like yep. McDermott, which is good. You want to keep him around, and you got Stuber coming back, and you can evaluate him, the kid from Michigan that they got last year that they had high hopes for. But I think it's more of the can I find a Ted Karras type guy in free agency versus I'm going to go find my starting right or left tackle. See, I, I, I think that you do. So you think you find a Ted Karras type, right? So a veteran player, uh, you know, versatile, more than, not a lot of money, more than serviceable, right? Good mm-hmm. attitude, role player, will be a leader, will come in right away. You won't. It won't be a like a, a, a chore to teach him. Like he'll fit in right away. There you okay? go. Um, I disagree. I think what they need to do is go big at tackle. I feel like they need to go big at tackle, and I like the fact that they, you know, on this list, the first guy they had going to the Patriots was a uh, Jawan Taylor, offensive tackle. So let's get into that. Number fifteen on the list was Jawan Taylor, offensive tackle from Jacksonville. And Matt Bowen has the best team fit is the New England Patriots, and uh, Bowen writes. The Jags could use the franchise tag to keep Taylor in Jacksonville, but he can also fill a major need for Bill O'Brien's offense, slotting in at right tackle where Isaiah Wynn and Marcus Cannon are both headed to free agency. Taylor's got the movement traits at 6'5", 312 to mirror speed and can handle power rushers, only 25 years old. He's got room to grow as well. But here's the line, Christian. The Patriots would have to spend some money to mm-hmm. sign Taylor to a multi-year contract. Yeah. So he, are you willing? 25. Are you willing to give him what might be fifteen million a year? Yeah. Considering the guy that you have technically penciled in at left tackle was squawking that he wouldn't get paid last year yeah. and might still get left at left tackle. I think different situation. I think I think there are certain positions. That you just don't mess around with. You don't. You can't. You can't. Uh, you know. You can't. You can't like uh, risk getting it wrong. And after last year and how many troubles they had, and we've all said the same thing when it comes to just you say depth, depth on offensive line. They need to fix their line. That's it. Fix it. You can dink around with an undrafted former quarterback and turn him into uh, a receiver. We've seen them do that a thousand times. I think, but if you want to like, if you want to move forward, and you really want to make serious moves, and like, I never have to worry about an offense. Go sign yourself a left tackle. Spend the money. He's twenty five years old. You sign him to a six year deal. He's here till he's thirty one. It's perfect. We're you gonna have McDermott, go forward, and we're gonna go forward. Yes, thank you, David Cully. And then I just feel like that's. The but he's area a right where they're gonna spend. But he's a right, right tackle, tack- not a left. Okay, so um, they just had him as offensive tackle. I didn't see no, exactly no, I, but it, 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 and even in but, the write up, it said slotting in a right tackle. Our, our well, right, you need a left tackle. I was just going to say, you our, need a left tackle. Are right tackles worth as much as lefts no. now? No, no, no. You know that. No, so no. But you know why I think about it because Cole Strange is on a on a rookie contract that's man manageable. So if you any deal that you sign, any left tackle that you sign of any significance. That fifth or sixth year will probably be null and void, right? It'll be a six-year deal on paper, but it'll really only be four years. Mm-hmm. At that point in time, Cole Strange will be on his own. They will be able to develop somebody else. At that point in time, who the hell knows what's going on? But that left side, 
I think is, is to me, is priority number one. Okay. I don't think it's wide receiver. I don't think it's um, defensive line. I don't think it's linebacker. I don't think it's cornerback. I think that particular position, left tackle, is your priority number one. Remember when they signed Stephon Gilmore? Yep. Like everyone was freaking out. Nobody saw it coming. They signed him right away. There's a guy right now that they are focused on, and I believe that they'll spend money on the left tackle. I just think they will. I don't think you can mess around with it. You can't throw the ball. You can't run the ball. You can't develop any of your offensive linemen. And I think Adrian Clem, being the new offensive line coach, is probably going to co-sign on that. Can we fix this situation? Let's move Trent to right, and then we're strong. You have a, You probably may have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL if you can fix – if you could just get a left tackle. Cole Strange will be better. Andrews is already good. Right guard is set. And Trent Brown has this – this, you know, reemergence as someone who actually cares. That's that's kind of the way I look at it. I mean, that's personally. No, and it's interesting. It's not sexy. No, oh God, no. It isn't sexy, but it's maybe the most necessary for this team to try to get that fixed. Now, on Matt Bowen's list, he's got Jacoby Myers listed 21st, the number one wide receiver in this class. The number one wide receiver yeah. in this class is Jacoby Myers. However, he has best fit as the Houston Texans. Yeah, I think and, you're going to lose him. And says Texans will be in position to draft quarterback number two pick. Myers is a fit here as a nuanced route runner with a 6'2 mm-hmm. frame. Last season in New England caught 47 of 67 targets on throws inside the numbers and, of course, the Nick Casario connection. You think yeah. he's gone? I, I think that's. I think you're going to lose him. Why? I do. I think this is the one time where... I think timing is part of it, and um, you, he is a chain mover. He is a young – like a lot of people look at like the tight end position as being like the best – a young quarterback's best friend because they're inside the numbers. You know, they're short to intermediate routes, um, obvious height advantage, you know, all that stuff where they can throw bad passes and the guy still grabs it. So usually they lean on that. Chagoy Myers is the same thing. Short, intermediate routes, option routes, um, easy to understand. Just watch his body language, throw it in. Like, you can get out of jams easily with a guy like Jacoby. Mm-hmm. I think after, uh, what is it, Wes Walker never really found the big money. After Edelman never found the big money. Right. After, uh, I think Jacoby Myers is the one guy I think you end up losing. I think you end up losing because, you know, they're not going to overpay for him. They'll say, hey, we'll we'll uh, develop another guy. That's my that's my thing with Jacoby. He's the one guy you end up losing. I think you lose him. I don't disagree because even I have a certain, you know, like in my mind, if you can get him for $8 million or less, then I think New England would be interested. If it's yeah. more than that, and it feels like the market might dictate that, that it would be more, then I'm with you, sayonara. And, in fact, if you think that this guy is going to get one of the biggest contracts in free agency, then ultimately it does give you that third pound, third round compensatory selection if he ends up getting a big contract from someone. Now, here's the one that kind of caught me. Number 23 on this list, Foyer, yeah, is Jordan Poyer. <laughs> and Matt Bowen says the best team fit is the New England Patriots. Wow. And here's what he wrote. Here's a fun one. Poyer's multi-dimensional traits fit with Bill Belichick's scheme as a movable defensive player with deep field range. Veteran safety Devin McCourty is set to hit free agency, so there's a need here. A highly instinctual defensive back. 
Poyer could match in coverage, check tight ends, or track the ball from post to deep half, deep half alignments in New England. Last season, Poyer logged four interceptions and eight pass breakups for the Bills. Yeah. I hate this idea. Why? Hate it. Why? You don't like Poyer? I'm not, no, no, I'm not. If, if I'm going to go with an old safety, I'm going to try like crazy to keep Devin McCourty. A, he can still run. B, we know that safeties don't like to tackle. And if that's the big knock on McCourty, then join the club on a lot of guys that play on the back end. But if you're just going to tell me that you're going to you're going to bring in a guy like Jordan Poyer, who will be 32 years old next year, versus McCourty, where I know I am getting the value of him as a leader, it's not even a question. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and you know, so the, right now, and you have Duggar, you have Phillips, and you have Peppers. Right, just assuming McCordy is not there. Mm-hmm. To me, Poyer is like this this luxury item that wow, if his number drops significantly and there's a mutual like you know understanding of what his uh, responsibilities are going to be, then yeah. But he's more of a luxury. I, I don't think you need Jordan. Po- I don't think you need him. I, I, I don't. I, I, do you have other pressing needs and then a 32-year-old now? You know, safety. And if you told me he was Rodney Harrison, I'd be like, all right, go ahead and find a way to grab him. But he's got all he's got all the intangibles that you're looking for too, and he's got a little bit of bite to him. He's got some edge to him. He's definitely a vocal guy. He is very instinctive. Um, and if McCordy decides to bail and you can't convince him to stay. Then, then you are going to have a massive hole there. Then it is. Then you start to discuss that. But for me, it is McCourty first, and I know that you and I are going to uh, unpack that a little bit later on. Six one seven seven. Bleep, I got to come on. Way too fast today. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. You can text us at three seven ninety three seven, and yes to the texters in the three three nine and the eight six zero. Most are aware of Jordan Poyer's wife. Yes, We've I wouldn't even bring Instagram, it up. I didn't but, even bring it up. But for those Stop who... Stop email. For, quit it, email. <laughs> <laughs> says the guy who suggested that the ladies would be going, ooh, he just they walked will. in the room. He's handsome. Oh, man. And he's easy. <laughs> oh, listen to this. Oh. Well, yeah, well, as our NFLer, oh, when I walk into the room, people think I'm handsome as well. So well, I know maybe, what it's like, email. 10 Ime. years ago. Maybe oh, 10 years yeah. ago. Yeah, because you're so because because you look terrible. Your hair, yeah, your hair's receding, and you're so out of shape. Good lord, listen to you, uh, Mister. Big my forehead, Mister. I may have the biggest here. forehead in the building. But that, okay, that's not saying I have the much. Biggest forehead in the building. No, I don't. That means you have yeah, the biggest brain in the building. Where would you measure your, if to find out who had the biggest forehead? Where would you start? Would you start at the top of your eyebrows? And then to the end of your hair, how no, would you I would determine who has the biggest You forehead? probably have to go at the top of the bridge and the nose and then go okay. up from there. That'd right. be my best guess. When I'm back, that's what we're doing. Oh, there we go. So it was height and then catching things, and now yeah. it's who's got the biggest forehead. <laughs> Sweet Jesus. I'll tell you what. You know who's got a big forehead? The Baltimore offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin, and it's full of ideas on offense, something the Patriots didn't have in 2022. Something caught Fourier's ear from Munkin's presser. You'll hear it next. WEI, WEI, New England Sports Original. Gresh and Fourier on WEI.
Well, the Patriots are hoping with Bill O'Brien they're going to be able to light up the scoreboard next year. And, of course, the offseason building begins now for the Patriots. 1049, Gresham and Foyer here with you. By the way, if you missed our discussion yesterday with Kendrick Perkins, go to WEEI.com and uh, check out our chat with Perk, which was uh, late in yesterday's show. Of course, he has a book out as well, The Education of Kendrick Perkins, and you can check out that chat at WEEI.com. Now, Foyer, I know that in the AFC, there's a bit of a changing landscape, and right now in Baltimore, the number one free agent in football, according to pretty much everybody, is going to be Lamar Jackson. So who knows how Baltimore is going to handle the guy. And arguably, the hand-picked offensive coordinator for Lamar Jackson, Greg Roman, out the door. <laughs> Todd Munkin, who was at one point in time, what, he was the Army head coach, Right. And then yeah. he uh, went to be the Team offensive Georgia, coordinator of Georgia. That was his last job. And now he comes into the NFL and might, might have Lamar Jackson or may not. But I know that Munkin did a press conference yesterday and something caught your ear. Something yeah. about good offense? Yeah. So, okay, so he gets introduced now. Listen, and when you hear this, he's going to list – Six things that he counts as good offensive football. Like okay. good offensive football is, and he's going to run through a bunch of things, okay? Now, after it's all said and done, now you let me know out of the six, how many do you think the Patriots actually were able to do, and how many do you think they'll be actually able to do moving forward? Okay. Here it is. Good football still is surrounded by – don't turn it over, be explosive, score touchdowns in the red zone, be good on third downs, don't have lost yards plays, and athletic quarterbacks that make off-schedule plays. The rest of it just falls into that. That's, that's it. That's football. it. That's all we need. That's wow. All we need. That's, all. That's, that's a lot, first all right. of all. So, number one, don't turn it over. There is not a coach in the world that doesn't preach that. Fair? Yes. Yes, and, and they were a plus seven in turnover differential, so they were actually pretty good as they, far as a team. Yeah, but we also know how hard they rode Mac during the regular season because there were interceptions that I think they were more putting on Mac than they were the offensive coordinator at the time. Yeah, but I'll even add this, Gresh. I'll leave when it says don't turn it over, the ending of the, the Raiders game. Oh, my God. Okay, mm. the, the Cincinnati Bengals game. What are we doing? Um, I would say the uh, giving up sacks, the Miami game, that was a, a strip sack for a fumble return for a touchdown. I mean, those are, I think those are what we're talking about. And they were – if you say, hey, how many did the defense get when they played against all these crappy uh, quarterbacks? That's why, like, turnover differential can be a tad bit misleading. You know, when I saw that, I was like, I felt like they turned over a lot. Especially when it mattered, and like especially important games, there was some stupid turnover that cost them the game. So I go, I go no on that one. Now uh, his number two is be explosive. I think that's overrated. I would put be good on third down number two. Don't turn it over. Be good on third down. Then the whole score in the red area, because if you're good on third down. You're doing a lot of other things right. Normally, you're staying on schedule. Normally, you have first down success. Christian, I think one of the, and I know that we're kind of nerding out here, yeah. but I think one of the things that people really underestimate on being a good team on third down is being a good team on first down. Normally, the third down teams, unless they have just a magician, a quarterback like a Pat Mahomes who'd be able to overcome it, 
on the whole, if you're good on third down, you're probably pretty good on first down as well. Yeah, and, and that's an excellent point because, you know, third down, they were 27th in the league. Yeesh. 27th. Okay, so, and you're right. So, how good you are on third down is really uh, predicated on how good you are on first and second. Are you in third and three and third and four? You know, it goes back to, like, don't have lost plays. Lost yard plays that are negative. Like, if you have a first and ten and you lose three yards Mm -hmm. or you have a penalty, let's include the penalties. To me, that's all part of the equation. How many times did they start a drive with a penalty, with a hold, where you're like, holy crap, it's first and 15, now it's first and 20. Like, that's not a recipe for success. So I'm just looking at these, even like you skipped over uh, touchdowns in the red zone. Yep. That, to me, is a solid number three, and that's a real good point. <laughs> last. Right. Touchdowns only. They were last. With a power running back, last. It's amazing how bad they were. They could have. How long did we go through the season saying they haven't thrown a touchdown yet? They can't, score, they can't score touchdowns. And number six, number six is an obvious hell no. You don't have it. You never will have it. That's just the way your life is going to be, which is have an athletic quarterback who can make off-schedule plays. Do you need Is that it? fair? Is but, that fair for me to say that? Uh, no, I, 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 that is not Mac Jones, but I also don't think it's critical to offensive success. See, I'm with you because if you say – now when you say have an athletic quarterback, I think people go extreme. Extreme is Lamar Jackson, right. is Justin Fields, is uh, I mean Josh Allen is an athletic quarterback. I don't think you need that either. I'm with you. I don't think you need this guy. Like Mac Jones can get you a first down on an off schedule, a play that breaks down. Right. He can run. You don't have to run a four two to run for ten yards when the play breaks down. Aaron Rodgers have to have awareness. Aaron Rodgers makes a ton of off schedule plays. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean Brady, and it's, and it's in the pocket. It's not, it's not yeah. running around. People think that making off schedule plays is you're running around all over the place of the Benny Hill music, and then you're throwing it yeah. fifty yards running to the left. When in reality, it's nothing more than being able to. Oh, there's a free rusher. I can avoid that guy. Now I can roll out and still keep the play going. Yeah, so Todd Munkin's list of things that you need to do to have good offensive football, I would say... The Patriots had none. <laughs> they had none of them, right? None. Am I right? They had zero. They, had, they were 0 for 6. Now, maybe it, maybe it's like 6, uh, you know, have an athletic quarterback. Yeah, who knows? 4 but matter. 4 matter. Okay, so now... I don't think explosiveness isn't necessary. Well, and what do you... Like, an explosive play, uh, this is the way I consider, is anything 25 yards or more to me is an explosive play. Totally agree. Okay, not 10, not 15. We're talking a big chunk play where you're like, mm-hmm. holy crap, you changed field position. That's, a, that's an explosive play for me. Um, they don't have that because they don't throw the football down the field. So now moving forward, Gresh, out of the six things that Todd Munkin listed, yep. how many of those things do you think that the Patriots will be able to do moving forward? Ooh, I think that's where we will pick up our discussion and throw in building rosters and undrafted free agents into all of this next.